0: Let's take a moment to pay homage to the Great Master, the infinitely virtuous, the magnificent, the compassionate one, the limitlessly merciful one, the undefeated one, the unvanquished one.
1: The Supreme Buddha. Namo tasse arehato samma sambuddhase. Namo tasse arehato samma sambuddhase. Namo tasse arehato samma sambuddhase.
0: Did you remind yourselves the meaning of that? We talked about it last week, yeah? Amutassa samma sammasambuddassa is a karmastan, isn't it? It is how we affirm Our practice remind ourselves what we are here for. So this is not just like the national anthem that you have to sing before and after an event. It is an oath that we take, not to please someone. Certainly not to please the Buddha, because he's not around today. And there's nothing that you can do that will please him. Is very much pleased all by himself. So, this is simply an oath that we take to remind ourselves what we are here for. Okay. So, it was just a reminder in case you'd forgotten, you have a chance again this afternoon. If you're not here for this afternoon, you'll have a chance again next week. But Most of you will maybe have a Buddha statue at home. Most of you will make offerings. The Buddha puja at home and so on. As we proceed further and further on this path, you will continue to do the same things, but they will have more meaning. See, I walked in here and I worshipped the Buddha but not, I li- not like I worshipped the first day I saw the statue. Remember when I was younger, I didn't want to get on, his, on the wrong side of Buddha. So whenever I used to do naughty things, parents used to say, Buddha will be angry with you, so you better be careful. So I thought Buddha was someone like Superman. You know, you don't want to get on the wrong side of Superman, right? So he's a, he's a good guy. But if you upset him, then bad things can happen. So I thought the Buddha was someone like that. So you didn't was was a, was someone who you didn't who you didn't want to upset. But only now do I realize. Only now do I know the Buddha as I know now. In fact, I didn't know him as well yesterday. That is the nature of this. You begin to realize more and more that everything around you, everything you hear, everything you see is an opportunity for you to do self-reflection in every sense of the word, self Reflection. We chant the sadhukar. Yeah? They say sadhu, sadhu, sadhu and so on. Did you know that that is also a karmastan? We think that it is a, a way of applauding? You know, people clap to rejoice so we believe that in the as buddhists we don't clap instead we say sadhu so it seems like one has simply replaced the other but really this word sadhu in itself is a karmastan you can sit down and reflect on sadhu and attain arahath-hood. contemplate on sadhu but before you do that you have to be a sotapanna Otherwise, they don't have the meanings. They don't convey those meanings. You don't feel about it the same way. Your chanting of Sadhu, of the Sadhukara, is actually a contemplation. So when you reflect on this karma stana, What you're reflecting on is actually the entirety of the dhamma that we discuss. We talk, you know, a whole sermon can be done to detail what sadhu is. A three hour long sermon, I can talk to you about what sadhu is. So when I say sadhu, I don't mean a monk people call monks also sadhu, right? But sadhu is coming, get up. Hmm? That's sadhu. But actually in, in Buddhism we don't have sadhus, because sadhus are actually we have sadhus in most other religions, but we are not sadhus. But it's fine, you know, people call us sadhus, it's perfectly fine. Whatever Floats your boat, I suppose. But I'm referring to the actual karmastana sadhu. The sadhu is an affirmation that you take to eradicate suffering. Can you believe that? You're taking an affirmation to eradicate suffering. We all have this sense of belonging, this sense of self, that we've been talking about. That is sva or sa, the sva or self. And you can take an affirmation, a resolve, a determination to exterminate that. How do you chase a dog at home? And if a stray dog comes on, what do you do? How do you chase it? Shoo. Yeah? That's the posh way of ch- chasing dogs. Right? In the villages, they go, do. They don't say shoo. Shoo came into our language after the shoes were invented, because you need them to run away, right? But in our villages, our ancestors, They to chase them away saying, Duh. So that is what that means. Get out of here. SAADU. This is a resolve, a determination that we take to extinguish the sense of self. In other words, suffering. So now when you, whenever you chant sadhu. I want you to reflect on that. The more you do these things, the more you begin to realize that Buddhism is not just a fanfare. It's not a celebration. It's not a, it's not a showcase. Every syllable is actually, there is some relation to nibbana. Because if it was uttered by the Supreme One Himself, because He did utter this, kāyana sangvaro sadhu, sadhu āchāya sangvaro. In His own words, in the Dhammapada, there's a stanza on what sadhu is. But even then you need the key to open it and really grasp the deeper meaning behind it. But now you're capable of doing that because now you're beginning to understand that suffering is not something superficial. This is not the suffering that people talk about day in, day out. You are beginning to understand the suffering that comes out of attachment. You are beginning to identify with suffering. So the more you do that, the more I am at liberty to share some of the more profound meanings of these things with you. This is why I never shared this with you prior to this because you wouldn't, it wouldn't have meant a lot to you. But now you're beginning to understand, you're beginning to grasp these concepts. I could have said the same thing. This is Swa and dhu. I could have said it a year ago, but you would have, and I would have said, that is the sense of self, or self, and you'd have thought, okay. But today, your understanding of it Has come a long way, and therefore, you are able to actually grasp the profoundness behind some of these things. So, from time to time, when I feel it's, the time is right, and you know, when the opportunity comes up, I'll explain to you some of these things. In fact, I think there was there's one, I don't know, a gentleman or lady on the uh, I'm told on our YouTube channel who keeps asking the same question. He wants to know why I'm holding this in my hand. So he wants to know if what we are here for is Nibbana. What's this got to do with any of that? He or she, I don't know. And when the time comes, I will explain. In fact, I did explain a while ago, many, 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 many sermons ago. I think this was when we were at Alan Mathenyara. If I'm not mistaken, long time ago I talked about this but I don't think the time was right. So the time will come again and when the time is right I will explain to you why I hold this in my hand. What is the significance of this? That everything has meaning in Buddhist philosophy. You don't need this to do a sermon, absolutely. You can put this to aside side and continue talking. But this is also a karmastan. To the trained eye, everything is a teacher. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. So when you are ready, you will begin to see the lesson that this this has been screaming out at you. For as long as you've seen a Swami Nohansi hold one of these in his hands. This offering of betel leaves that has a meaning. It is not just you know the way the you know the way that we invite a monk to do a sermon. There is something more to it than that. But you see, the moment I say that, these will be the more interesting things. It's very natural. Because you know what most people don't know if I know, how does that make you feel? <coughs> Makes you feel special, right? Yes, that's, that's, that is the way. Because most people don't know these things, so I can learn and go and boast about it with my friends. <coughs> that is why there's always a time and place for us to learn these things. Anything in the wrong hands, However good it might be in the wrong hands, it can be disastrous. So fear not, I don't keep anything back from you. When the time is right, you shall get it all. What's more important for us right now is to make sure that we have a really solid understanding, a good foundation in the Dhamma. What I want for all of you is to be unfaced in the face of adversity. What I want for all of you is to have a good foundation, a good standing whereby when life pushes itself on you, you can stand up straight. You don't do things that you go on later to regret because they are the real downers. You feel deflated after that. And, you know, they have their consequences. Raga, Dvesha and Moha are out to get you. So, before we do a thesis on how all of these things are made up and what's the significance of that, what's the significance of this, there are more important things for us to talk about. Remember, I have very little time left. You have very little time left. So two people with very little time left, what do you think they should be talking about? Isn't that right? Yeah, exactly. So this is why in our sermons we always focus on on Nibbana. You you know, you know Guru Swami Nohanse could talk to you about a million other things. He can explain to you how the world came into being, how how long it's gonna last and all those things. But he doesn't spend his time doing that. That is why at our monastery, exclusively for aspirants of nibbana. That is our tagline. Because you can go and learn other things from absolute you know anywhere. There are lots of other places where they'll teach you worldly existence and how to do it right. But there are very few people, such as yourselves, who have won the merits. And two, the resolve to do what you really have to do and what you really need to do in the time that you have left. So it would be remiss of me to spend time talking to you about worldly affairs. Rather, our time is better spent talking about understanding the four truths that only a Buddha can show us. These are the Four Noble Truths. That is what we are here for. That should be our resolve and that is our purpose. To start us off, I am going to give you a problem. and you can solve it. Normally I give the problem and I give the answer, right? Today we're gonna make a change. I'm gonna give you the problem and you can try and work out the answer. So here's the problem. Ready? I met someone yesterday. They said something to me and it hurt my feelings. You got that? I met someone yesterday. They said something to me and it hurt my feelings. I'm still hurt. Why am I talking, why am I sharing with you an example like this? It's because you never have these problems, right? These are alien to you, aren't they? So I mean, other people are like that? (laughs) So here's a problem again. I met someone yesterday. They said something to me, hurt my feelings. And now, whenever I'm reminded of it, in fact, I'm reminded of it all the time, I can't do anything else. Whenever I try and do something, the same thing keeps coming back and it just keeps haunting me. And I think to myself, how could he say something like that to me? I'm still hurt. I can't focus on my work. He's really dragging me down. So there's someone you can substitute with anyone you like. So I give you the freedom to do that. You can, you can think of it as, you know, maybe your best friend, your, sp- your husband. Your wife. Ah, no, wait. They don't say things to hurt you, do they? No, of course not. Your son. hmm, Your child. Your mother, your father. Or your colleague. Your boss. Whoever, right? So what did they do? They said something. And that hurt you. Hurt your feelings. When did this happen? Yesterday. And you're still hurt. Okay? First question is, is that okay? Is it just, you know, it's a natural thing. You know, these things happen, don't they? Like when you say, imagine you have this problem, you need to go and talk to a friend. Or you've got a long face, Someone comes up to you and says, what's wrong? Yeah, I don't know. I've just lost the will to live. What happened? Yeah, I was just, you know, I don't know. I was just going about doing my own thing, you know. And I was having a good time. I was just doing the right thing. you 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 know what I'm like. I was trying to do the right thing, right? But then yesterday, I was just, you know, going about doing the right thing as I normally do. And then this person came up to me. Which person? Whichever person that you substituted. And then he slash she said this thing to me. And you say that and you look at their face. And they, if they have a blank face, looking back at you, you go, you know, they said this thing to me. Yeah? yeah. don't, yeah, me. I mean, you know, they said something like that. To me. There are various ways you can emphasize that sentence. They said, they said something like that to me. Yeah, and that's one way. This is, you know, the beauty of language and intonation. You can you can emphasize various parts of it, can't you? They said, or he said something like that to me. He said something like that to me. Hmm? how else he said something like that to me (laughs) how could he he said something like that to me he could have written it but no he said now tell me do you not have problems like this if not we will move on to the next problem you can pass. You know, like when you have the exam paper, they say, you know, uh, choose three out of five questions and uh, answer the exam paper. And you're like, first question, no, didn't study that. <laughs> uh, second, mm, didn't revise that. <laughs> Third question, am I writing the right answer sheet? <laughs> uh, reminds me of Mr. Bean. Remember Mr. Bean from the exam? No? You should watch Mr. Bean. So, that's the problem. I want you to solve it. Normally, you know, these days, that's how I do my sermons with my parents. I'm tired of preaching to them. I know, seriously. I mean, I've been preaching to them for what? Ever since I ordained, and you know what my dad said, right? Yeah, that day I decided, no, that's it. 70 years of age, and the man thinks, when he's older, I still haven't given up for, forgiven him for that. When he's older, he's going to move closer to the monastery. He's 70. I still haven't forgiven, forgiven him for that. So now I've given up preaching to them. What I do is I sit down and ask them to preach to me. So I, I pose questions to them. You know, if I, if I, have, uh, if I get angry, Apache, what should I do? So he'll start speaking. And I just keep on asking questions and I, I try and ask questions to prove to him that Buddhism is, you know, it's just a farce. It's, you know, it's, it's false. Buddhism makes no sense. I keep trying to prove to him that this Buddhist doctrine is meaningless. And then he tries to break my arguments. How about that for size, eh? <laughs> I've been asking about well, Swami Nuhan says, you know, what sort of problems you have? You know, because you have those uh, one-to-one or those group discussions at the end, right? So they've been ever so kind, and uh, they came up to me and said, "You know, Sarnas, so I think uh, there are some common problems that you could probably address. And apparently, one of them is you know, how you feel so strongly about the people you care for, and you, know, you care about, you know, parents, siblings, and so on, and you want to give them the the Dhamma, but they are a bit hesitant or reluctant to accept it from you." So you can try what I'm trying. Get them, to, you know, sat down and tell them, yeah, you know what, you're right. Buddhism doesn't work. This is all a waste of time. This Buddhism thing. Like, no, 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 don't say it like that. They'll start. Why? Because, you know, we are Buddhists, right? So even they feel patriotic or, you know, they feel that they have to stand up for Buddhism. They're like, no, don't say it like that. You know, maybe you got it wrong. No, 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 no. It's Buddhism is just so negative. It's, you know, suffering, suffering, suffering all day long. They just talk about suffering. Can't we talk about something positive for a change? And then they'll say, you know, yeah, there are positive things, you know. And then you just, you, you try to, you play, you play their role. And they can play your role. And uh, what will generally happen is they'll end up proving to themselves that actually Buddhism is true. So <laughs> I'm trying that and it works. So, uh, anyhow. So what's the problem? Yesterday, someone said something to me, hurt my feelings and even today I'm finding it difficult to focus and get on with my chores and what I need to be doing and uh, clearly I was annoyed when it happened. I was disappointed that he said that to me? Yeah? So I want you to solve the problem now. This is meditation. But wait, Saminas, we are not sat cross-legged. Well, then you will never be able to do meditation in this place. There's not enough room for all of you to sit cross-legged. Meditation is a is a is a practice of the mind, applying the Dhamma into real life problems. That is what meditation is. So over to you. Start meditating. Take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. Take another deep breath in and a deep breath out. Hmm? How many deep breaths would you have to take to solve this problem? Let's let's work that out first. Hmm? How many deep breaths must one take to solve this problem? Sometimes maybe you don't have enough breaths to take. (laughs) you started it too late, you should have started this maybe 20 years ago. Then you might have just had enough. Forget about all that, right? Let's start practically solving this practical life problem. Buddhist philosophy is a science. Apply it to real-world problems and you will be amazed at the results. Simple as. You remember last week we talked about the double story? house yeah the two story house try and apply that into this so i'm giving you a moment to to think about it i'll walk you through i'll give you some hints as we go along but i want you to uh, i want you to have a go yourself you can in fact you know if it makes it easier actually think of someone and maybe something that happened. Someone would have certainly you know, said something to you maybe recently, maybe a while back and it would have hurt you. Yeah, These things happen all day long. This is life, isn't it? That is life. Such is life. So now we have to solve this problem. I'm just dropping hints. This is the papillae on the tip of your tongue. Is it? It might be. No, it's not that. What is this? The mind. The mind looks like that? so until this thing happened okay yesterday so i met met him at 6 pm 6 o'clock until that time i was just doing fine i was just going along doing my own thing i was happy right so this marks 6 o'clock anything that side of the dotted line is before 6 Anything this side of the dotted line is after six. So it was at this moment that this person came up to me and said this terrible thing. And from then on, whenever I'm reminded of that situation, whenever I'm reminded of that situation, I feel hurt. you have this experience? Yeah? Good. Whenever I'm reminded of this situation, this is when it happened, okay? Now whenever I'm reminded of what they said to me at that time, I feel hurt. So it was at this moment, so for those of you who are new, if there are, I see a few new faces. This, these are chittas or thought moments that appear in your mind. Each one arising and passing away, right? Like, an, a const, like a constant stream of water. It's like a river. It's it's never the same drop of water, right? A river is simply water flowing, right? If water stood still, is that any longer a river? No, it's a tank. So this is like a river. These are thought moments, they arise and pass away. An an endless stream. So this is when this happened. This was six PM. Uh, yesterday. What was what date was it yesterday? Thirtieth. That was six PM on the 30th of September and uh, many chittas rose and passed away and today we are here okay and it's 8am on 31st today or 1st 1st first. first of October when did this happen? here When am I hurt? Here. Do you or don't you have this problem? Then try and solve it. So that next time it happens, you don't have to come running to me. Because this is what most people come running to us with. Oh, Swami Nuhansar, this happened, Swami Nansa, that happens. Swami Nohansa, the other thing happened, Swami Nohansa, Please help me. I'm disappointed, Swami Nohansa. I'm heartbroken, Swami Nohansa. I'm angry, Swami Nuhansar. Please help me. I'm annoyed. Please help me. Yeah, I'm helping you now. I'm helping you before it happens. Because this is not a this is not a broken items repair shop. Hmm? This is not a repair shop. Don't bring your broken stuff here. We fix you up so that you don't break. We immunize you. What did they give you the uh, the the uh, immunization for? The COVID uh, non COVID was it coronavirus right? Yeah. So they gave you immunization so that you don't don't get COVID, yes. So likewise, I'm trying to immunize you so that you don't find yourself in this situation. Now let's talk through. This is when it happened. Now, of course, you know, there are times when, so you see 6 p.m. yesterday, did you not go to bed? After that, you did, right? So, until you fell asleep, you might have been thinking about it. And it, it it hurt you so bad that actually it delayed you falling asleep. But at one point, you did fall asleep. And in your sleep, you didn't think about that, did you? And maybe, you know, after that, you know, it happened at 6 you were out and about, maybe you were at work and you came home, then you saw your fr- your family, you know, they gave you a hug and then you sat down for dinner. Right? And then you, were, you, you just, you know, carried on having dinner, you watched TV. And then, you know, th- that time you were not reminded of that. Unless someone asked you, how was work? If this happened at the workplace, oh, don't get me started. And then you got started and then you went on about it. I, you, you know what, this this person, he came to me and they said something like this. How could he? Does he not know that I'm a conscientious person you know, when I get to work? How, how, why, how could he accuse me of something like that? We talked about false accusations last week. How do we deal with this problem? The first thing we need to find, try and figure out. Ah, well, we've got the four-step approach, don't we? So let's try and apply the four-step approach. What's the first one? Come to your senses, right? Come to your senses, yes. So you need a trigger to bring you back to your senses. This is why it's no good going home and talking your problems at work with your husband or your wife. Because, you know, the, the thing is, they will simply sympathize with you. Because that is what they're meant to do because they love you and that's the best they can do for you. So they, you know, haven't you been in this situation, right? Say you you go home from work, you've had a bad day and, you know, maybe the wife comes and sees you or the husband comes, oh, hi darling, how was work today? <sighs> terrible. Why, what happened, honey? Yeah, well, you know, this, this guy at work, you know, it's just a total, I'm not gonna say the word, I can't because I'm a Swami no so. This guy is a total... And, uh, you know, I was just doing my work and then he came and, you know, he all he does is find faults with people. He, he never knows how to appreciate anyone. No matter how well I do something, he'll simply come and, you know, he'll, he'll make a mountain out of a molehill. That's the kind of person he is. Always spotting flaws and faults with people. That's all he does. No one at work likes him. Me of all people. So he came up to me and he said this this thing, you know, something terrible. He, he, he scolded me. He shouted at me. He complained. And, uh, you know, and since then I've not been in a good mood. And then what does the wife normally do at this point? Don't think about those people. They're time wasters, useless people, you know. Someone like you, you know, you don't deserve to be treated like that. I, I understand, I understand. They, you know, you don't, like, you don't deserve to be treated like that. You're such a good person. How could he talk to you like that? This is called adding fuel to the fire. It's what loved ones do best. Adding fuel to the fire. Because they, they feel they have to sympathize with you. Because, you know, and it's, only, it's fair that they do that. Because the reason you come home and you complain about something at the workplace is because you've brought your work home with you. That's what you've done. Perhaps the person who shouted at you, you know, he forgot it then and there. What had to be said was said, right? Water under the bridge, they walked away, and now, you know, they're, they're singing praises about how well you did the work maybe with their wife. But you, you brought home that that complaint right and now you just you're just moaning about it so you see when you're at home in that situation you're looking you're looking for someone to hang on to i'm talking about the nature of the mind at that point the mind is weak the mind is feeble at that time it's looking for something to hang on to it can't stand on its own two feet that's what's happening it's looking for support and one of the best ways to get that support is for someone to be in the same camp as you. You know, whenever you're, you're blaming someone, right? If someone else in the room is also, also begins to blame them, how does that make you feel? Energized, right? Yeah, that's it, that's it, you, got, you get my point. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's, that's the way it works. Imagine you know you have something bad to say about someone, and the moment you open your mouth and you start bad bad mouthing this person, the other person says, "Well, they're not that bad, really." You know, I've, you know, they've they've done good things for me. They've done, I've seen them do really good things. How does that make you feel at that time? Have you not been in these situations? Am I not? Am, am I talking about life on Mars?
1: Huh?
0: No, right? You've all been in this situation. I've been in this situation. So, I, you know, like I said, I didn't come from, I, you know, I didn't grow on a tree. I, 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 I live the same life as you, right? And, and I know what, what, what life is like. This is why in these talks we talk about real life problems. I take a very pragmatic approach to things. And I think Buddhism is for that. So you've been in this situation. At that time, you're feeling weak. You feel like you need extra support, which is exactly why you came home and you started talking about it. On your way home from work, right while you were in the traffic, right, if, the, if the traffic light went red just as you were driving up, you will have that person who said something bad to you to blame for that as well. I swear to you. Why did the traffic light go red? Because they upset me. You know, that guy at work. Yeah, you know, wretched guy, you know, he said this thing about me. And, you know, otherwise, you know, I, by this time I would have gone past the traffic light. But, you know, he's, what he said has been hanging over me. And, you know, I, I've not been able to focus on, on what I'm doing since. And, you know, I can't keep my mind straight. And, you know, this, even the driving is not fun like it normally is. Otherwise, I would have crossed this road and I'd be home by now. But, you know, what that guy said, it's, it's, it's been bothering me. It's slowing me down. You feel like that. So until you get home, you feel restless because you know at home there's someone who you can share your, your troubles with. Isn't there? Yes. This is one reason why you need a partner. So I'm glad that you all have one. At least most of you. So you have a partner to share your Troubles with. Oh. Careful with that. <laughs> Don't say out loud until you come here. <laughs> Otherwise they might not send you. <laughs> to put air onto the fire, yes. But that is why you need a partner, you know, so you can partner. You know, like they have partnerships in business. Right? So this is this is a business that the mind shouldn't be getting involved in because the mind is not minding its own business, so you need this is a new business and now you need someone to partner with you. so you have a partner you know in the good times and bad, as you say you know for for a, together until what death do us part is that the right? Have we got it right can't forget I can't remember now it's been a while till death do us part so you need a partner to share these things. The problem is, they don't, you know, they see the world the same way that you do. That is the problem. They don't see the world in a different perspective. This is why, you know, they agreed to be with you. If they saw the world differently to you, you know, they wouldn't have agreed to live the rest of their lives with you. Birds of a feather flock together, right? So you're on... You are together because you're birds of a feather. You think alike. So if you think something's wrong, if you think this is ugly, they also think this is ugly. That's why you got together. So now when you think that the problem is on the outside, it was your boss, your colleague, your coworker, right? Or your friend who upset you, what should a good partner do? Agree or disagree? Agree. Because in that moment, you are looking for that moral support. Not moral support, really, mental support. You're looking for support. You can't stand up on your own two feet, mental two feet. You're looking for someone to lean onto. And that is exactly what they give you. That is what they provide. As I said, if on that occasion, you know, they disagree with you and they say, no, actually, they're not, they're not too bad. You know, I've seen them do good things. Or, you know, if they start talking about the good things, you know, you're talking about your boss, you know. He's the one who pays your salary. He's the one who gives you a wage, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, You're always talking about that guy. You know, you got something going on, <laughs> and then you know, become suspicious. Even that can happen. It can happen because you don't want at that time for them to disagree with you. You want someone who agrees with you. In case, you know, in case the, your partner doesn't doesn't agree with you, now you'll stop talking to them about these problems, and then you'll find a friend. To talk with. This is what normally happens, you know, families. I know what family like is. Life is like. I've been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt. So I'm sharing advice with you as a man who's experienced it. I'm sharing this with you so that you can look at life and 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 you know make more or make the right choices more of the time, at least. I want you to analyze what's going on around you. I want you to see what's going on with a fresh pair of eyes. I'm not bad-mouthing anyone. That is not my intention here. And please don't think that I am. What I'm trying to do is to show you that sometimes the easiest answers are not the right answer. Think about why in some families, in some, you know, between some couples, the relationship isn't that strong. It's because if they start to see things in different ways, then that relationship is not long-lasting. If they start to see things in different ways. So that is why, as I say, you know, a man who has a problem and the wife is not Seeing it from the same perspective will not, will not be inclined to share those problems with, with that with that person for very long. And then after that, he's going to go and find another friend, or maybe the same. The wife also as well, you know, if she feels that her husband doesn't see the world from her perspective, then she's going to find another friend to talk to. <coughs> Excuse me. So, how do you solve that problem? Whenever we try and deal with problems in the world, worldly problems, there is never a right answer. That's the thing. Conventionally, yes, there may be a right answer and a wrong answer. But from an absolute truth perspective, you're never going to find the right answer. That is why to find the right answer, you have to start to see the world as the world really is, which is the truth. That is the four noble truths. See, there are two things you could have done if you are upset. One, you could have retaliated. And your partner might well have said, Well, why did you keep shut? You should have said something. If you are angry, if you were upset about it. Sometimes that might be the you know it might be the right answer, but it could also be a terrible answer because if you had said that, then from the next day on you have no job to go to. So that could happen. Or they could say, you know, just bottle it up. You know, that's the way it is. You know, this is life. Life is tough. Right? You can't always, you know, talk back when someone says something you don't like. You're just going to have to bear it. That could be the right answer. That could also be the wrong answer because how long can you keep bottling things up? Ask yourselves this question. Aren't there times when you try to bottle things up, you try to be patient, you try to just keep it inside without venting it, right? But these pent-up feelings, at some point it's going to come out, not on that person, but on somebody else. You might even kick the dog as soon as you get home. Because you're upset. Yeah, I want you to dip into your lives and ask yourself the question, right? Have you never taken it out on your children? when you are upset at something at work? The room is silent. No one wants to say yes, but no one can say no. (laughs) It's the truth. You know, on any other day, their mistake would have been addressed differently. Perhaps it would have been addressed, you know, son, you shouldn't have done something like that, you know. Don't do like that. You know, You know, Apache gets, or Tati gets upset when you do something like that. But this day, that was, you know, that was a good day. Or maybe an even better day, maybe the day you got a promotion. Right, and then the child does, does something bad. Ah, you know, children. Children are like that. Don't you get those kind of days, Buddha, as well? Yes. See, now you can't deny it. I've got specimens. Mm, there are good days, you know. You know when our Dad has had a good day at work, yeah, or when your husband or your wife, when they have a good day at work and a bad day at work, you know it. You can look at the, you can look at what they've got in their hand as they walk in through the door, and you know it's whether they've had a good day or a bad day. If it's a bouquet of flowers, huh, then usually a good day. Uh, but if it's just a loaf of bread, uh, and it's your wedding anniversary. And all they brought home is a loaf of bread. And you ask, did you forget? What? How could you forget? What? It's our special day. So? I brought you something. What? Bread. What's wrong with bread? Is it not edible? But on other days, yeah, yeah, other day is different day. Today is a different day. Nothing is fixed. <laughs> you come to the sermons also. <laughs> Are you someone who takes your work home? I'm asking you this question. Do you take your work home with you? And you know I don't mean it in that conventional sense. I don't mean do you take your unfinished work home so you can finish it because you just didn't have the time to submit that report on time, or there's a deadline looming and you have to get it in, so a few extra hours you need, you know. You know that's not what I'm asking you, right? You know that, right? That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, do you take your work home with you? In other words, do the people who live with you know whether you've had a good or a bad day at work. I want you all to take a moment to think about it. Do your friends know? Particularly your loved ones. Does your husband, your wife, your children, you know, your 10-year-old, he doesn't understand, you know, there's no point sharing with your 10-year-old what you do at work because he's not going to understand the first thing about it. But does he still know whether you've had a good day or a bad day at work? Leave the sun to a a side. Does the dog know? Does the dog know whether you have had a good day or a bad day at work? If it does, something's wrong. Something's wrong, so... I want you to first be aware of it and then overcome it because you can. It doesn't have to be like that. Put yourself in, the, in, their, in their shoes. <clears throat> Put yourself in their shoes. If you're the other other party, do you like your husband or your wife to bring their work home with them? Do you like it when they do that? If they've had a bad day at work, do you like them to come and treat you? As if they've had a bad day at work, or do you want to be treated on your own merits? You know, it's very different when you when we analyze things from another person's perspective. That's why it's very important. You know, as the Buddha said, you know, treat others as you would like to be treated. If you don't do that, then you know, very long, but before before long, relationships will start to suffer. If you don't treat others the way you like to be treated, any relationship, it doesn't have to be husband-wife. doesn't have to be. Among friends, neighbors, co-workers, friends, right? At school. If you don't treat others the way you like to be treated, that relationship, your days are counted. I'm trying to explain to you why these things happen. But first, of course, I need to remind you and make you make you realize actually, you know, these problems we do have in our life. You know, lest you think, you know, these are theoretical problems. Hmm? You understand that they are not theoretical problems. These are problems we all have in our lives, right? So how do we deal with it? This happened at six PM. It's eight o'clock the following morning, and you're still upset. If you find the answer to this problem, you will also find an answer to, my mother passed away six months ago. The thought of her still brings tears to my eye. If you find an answer to this problem, you'll find an answer to that problem. Doesn't that problem bother you still? My, my, my father passed away, my mother passed away, my husband passed away, my, my friend passed away, My you know my, my brother passed away. Sometimes you know, for some people, uh, it's very difficult to even do a sermon to. The moment you start talking to them, you know they they become teary-eyed because they start you know those all those thoughts and memories start flooding their mind. And after that, I can't talk to the I can't talk the Dhamma to them because you know their their gates go up, the floodgates they go up, and after that, all they can you know they are just engrossed in the grief. I'm telling you, we have to immunize ourselves to this. Before the fact is always better than after the fact. I'm trying to help you prepare before the fact. These things will happen to you every day. So the first thing, come to your senses. You have a four-step approach, right? First thing, come to your senses. Coming to your senses involves pointing the finger in the right direction. Which direction do we point our fingers? Towards us. You have to start there. You have to, have to, have to. Pointing the finger in any other direction and you've completely discarded Buddhism. From there on, Buddhism cannot help you, or Buddhist philosophy cannot help you. There's no point saying Buddhaṃ Sarnang gacchami and pointing the finger at someone else, and say that guy made me angry. You haven't sought refuge at the Buddha. Then you can say Superman gacchami because if that guy hurt you, you can ask Superman to come and rescue you. You can ask Batman to come and rescue you. You can ask the police to come and rescue you. You can ask the fire ambulance to come and rescue you. You can ask the prefects at the school to come and rescue you. You can ask your teacher to come and rescue you. But not Buddha, not Dhamma, not Sangha. So how do you know if you're a true Buddhist? A true Buddhist takes refuge. Now I want you to know, it's a good point. as I'm talking to you, you know, these things just come to me and I'm, I'm sharing with you, right? It's a good point. How do, you, how do you know a good Buddhist when you see one? Actually, you can't see one. How do you know if you are a good Buddhist? If you observe your five precepts, if you are a vegetarian, yeah, give me, keep adding to the list. You observe sil every poor day, hmm? when you come to the temple, you only wear white. Hmm? You don't smoke, you don't drink. Now oh, you just take, you know, me- medium, right? Not too much, not too little, middle path. <laughs> huh? Is that a good Buddhist? No. A good Buddhist always takes refuge in the noble triple gem. That's how you know a good Buddhist. I'll elaborate on that. A good Buddhist always, always, always takes refuge in the noble triple gem. That does not mean that every day before bedtime and every morning as soon as you get out of bed you go in front of the Buddha statue and you put your hands together and go "Buddhang Saranang Gachami That is not what I mean by a good Buddhist always takes refuge Refuge in the Noble Triple Gem. What I mean, when this happens, you always point the finger inwards. Because until and unless you point this finger inwards, you are not taking refuge in the Noble Triple Gem. Agree or disagree? What do you think? You have to agree. Because only for someone who sees the problem is within does the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha become their refuge. If you don't see the problem as within, if you see the problem is without or out there, now, why do you need refuge in the Noble Triple Gem? Then you might go to the gods, to the devas, maybe, and offer the puja vati, and say, "Please, God, come and save me." Hmm? You might engage in various other rituals, right? Make you even make offerings, maybe sacrifices. These are things that you will do if you believe that the problem is out there and therefore can be fixed by somebody else. Honestly, tell me, if the problem is in my mind, who can fix it? My doctor? No. The policeman? No. My best friend? How about my wife? If the problem is in my mind, only I can fix it exclusively I can fix it. If the problem is outside, now I can go and ask other people to step in and give me a hand and solve the problem. So again, how do you know if you're a good Buddhist? See, the four-step approach starts with the first step, right? (laughs) That is where you decide whether you're going to go down the Buddhist approach or you're going to take a non-Buddhist approach. If you take a, if you are taking a non Buddhist approach, does that make you a good Buddhist? No. So the first step is point the finger inwards. The moment you point the finger inwards, now you are eligible, you are eligible to take refuge in the Noble Triple Gem. Now Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha are the only answers. No other answer will solve that problem. Right, what's the second step then? Hmm? It's not me, it's not I. This nature of, you know, because right now the problem we are trying to solve is I'm feeling hurt, I'm I'm hurt, disappointed, yeah? Or annoyed, frustrated, angry, heartbroken. This is not my temperament. This is not who I normally am. This is not the way I am. This is just a temporary incidence or incident. This is simply a temporary incident. These are visiting defilements. What do I mean by that? They'll come and they'll go. They're not here to stay. But they won't just go because they didn't just come. When you hear a knock on the door and you open it and there's a beggar standing outside. You know, they didn't just come. They came because they're hungry. So tell me then, when will they go? When you give them food. See, if there are causes for something to come into being, then for as long as those causes prevail, that thing will continue to prevail. And when the causes cease to exist, then that will cease to exist all of that is part of anicca see the moment you have gone taken to the gone to the second step you've already started to contemplate on anicca i really hope you're tuned into this folks because you know if you can catch this if you can grasp this concept and this this method of solving problems then you become you are empowered to go on and live life Nothing can shake your peace. Nothing can take away your happiness. When I talked about the four-step approach, I didn't realize it was so profound, as I do right now. I'm beginning to realize, wow, it's really powerful. (laughs) As I speak to you. Thus, I want you all to be tuned in and and try and get, get the most out of this. So the moment you've seen that the problem is inside, now the only answer because you need to take refuge somewhere, either with your friends, with your parents, with the police,, right? with the law, you have to take refuge somewhere, or with a thug, you know? If you think the problem is someone there,, right? and you know it doesn't he's two, twice your size, right? You can't bring him down, then you're going to have to take refuge of a thug. But if the problem is inside, then, no thug can help you do that. You're the only answer. The noble triple gem is the only refuge. So the moment you start to realize that this is not naturally me. This is simply the mind that has right now been hijacked. This is all part of the second step. The mind has been hijacked. Now you know then that this is not here to stay. Okay? Okay. This is simply the result of the causes that are in motion at this moment in time. And the moment you realize that, you have started your contemplation on anicca, the arising and passing away nature of the mind, as well as the principle of cause and effect. We discussed this, it is the environment that always attracts whatever, whatever. Why did you all come here today? Hmm? Because you knew there was a sermon here. That's why you're here today. So you see, we created the environment and you came. As the Almighty said to Noah, build and they shall come. When he built the ark, remember? So, the, you have the, the principle is true. Create the environment and all the vipakas will be drawn and attracted to that, position, to that place. So the fact that you are still annoyed about something that happened then means there are the right elements in play here. There's, a, there's an environment here which is drawing these emotions right now. These emotions, these negative emotions, this anger, this frustration, this annoyance, it is created in this mind moment. Because we know, don't we, that it didn't happen a moment ago. When you were in bed, you didn't, you didn't, nothing was bothering you, right? And when you were having your dinner, or when you, you forgot about it, nothing happened. And you see, think about how, even though you have these moments where you're upset or angry about something, how is it then after a few days you forget about it and you move on? How can that happen? Think about these things. When you're in the middle of it, right? you feel like you're never, you're never going to forgive. Aren't there are times when you tell some people, you know, for what you've done to me, I am never going to forgive you. I will never forget what you've done and I will never forgive you. I hate you, people will, you'll hear people say. And they're, they're not just saying it, actually they, they say it with, with full emotion. Right, but a week later, they're walking down the street hand in hand, moved on. But when you are in the middle of it, you don't feel like you know this is a situation that's ever going to change. But you know, don't you, that from now, from your experience, that these things never last. These things never last. Anger doesn't last. Does it? Well, have you never been angry in your life? Well, you're not angry now. Hopefully. So I see. So anger doesn't last. How about lust? Does it last? No. Greed. Does it last? No. Compassion. Does it last? Still no. Kindness. Generosity. No, none of these things last. How about a feeling of respect? Does it last? No, nothing is everlasting. Everything has a transient nature. When we talk about transient, what I want you to think about is, provided the causes are there, the result manifests. When the causes cease to exist, the result ceases to exist. That is what I mean by transient. A forever changing nature. A forever changing because a forever susceptible to a change in causes. A forever changing because a forever changing and susceptible to changing causes. So this is why you are not angry right now but you were two weeks ago. The person that you shouted at, the person that you swore at, Today, you'll speak with them nicely, maybe even invite them for dinner. How is it that you, you can change like that? I need you to take a moment to understand how your mind works. That is all I'm asking you to do here, folks. It's because you don't understand how your mind works when your mind goes astray. When it, start to do, when it starts to do things that you don't want it to do, you, don't, you, don't, you, you lose control. Aren't there times where you're feeling angry but you don't want to be? Hmm? Aren't there times like that when you when you're feeling you want something but you don't want to be feeling like that? Don't you feel helpless in those situations? If you don't understand how the mind works, then you're going to have to live with it, which is a terrible state to be. The Buddha's message, what the Buddha came into this world was to preach to us, to teach us that if you don't like what your mind is doing right now, you can change it. How powerful that is. Most people don't know that. Most people don't realize that. Most people feel that whatever the mind thinks, now I have to do that. Because they can't overcome that. I'll take a really simple example. There's a saying among people, isn't there, that the mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. Hmm? You've heard that plenty times. We talked about it in one of the sermons as well. This is such a lame excuse that people give themselves. They say the mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. When does that happen? In front of a liquor bottle sometimes. The mind is willing, apparently. I don't want to take it, but see my arm, I can't stop it. See, see, it's even pouring it into the <laughs> into the glass. I can't stop it. See, I want to stop it, but I can't. See, huh? and then it comes to him and says, "No, I'm not doing this. I don't know. I want to stop it, but hold on one second. I wanted to stop it, but you know, <laughs> I couldn't stop it. Mine is willing, but the flesh is weak, apparently. I I know about this so much because I've been studying a lot about addictions." Over the past several months, you know, I've been specializing in addictions. People think that they are, they have no way out of it. People think that once you're addicted to something, that's it. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like that. Whatever that addiction might be. For some of you, it might be something a bit strong. Hmm? Strong water. You know what I'm talking about. yeah? For others, it might be a smoke. For others, it might be addiction to digital devices. You know, some of some people, they can't break their addiction to their mobile phones or to the computer. Others, it could be pornography. You can't break that addiction. People are addicted to all sorts of things. You see, the thing is, if you've ever been in this situation, folks, and you know, okay, you don't have to nod your head either this way or that way, right? It's fine, right? Keep it to yourself, it's okay. It's okay. You feel that way because you still feel that, you know, I'm here and I have to, I have to protect and safeguard my, my self-respect. Yes, self-respect will always be there for as long as who's there? Self is there. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. take one step at a time. If you've been in this situation, I know for certain that there will have been times in your life where you didn't want to do it, but you couldn't stop yourself. And you felt really vulnerable. You wished and prayed to God and all the powers that you could could you could muster. You thought to yourself, oh, please help me stop. Please let me be free. I don't want to do this. How do I stop? You tried once, you tried again, but on the third time, the floodgates open, and that's it. While you were doing it, you enjoyed it, but as soon as the moment passed, you could now. Now what happens is you begin cursing yourself. Why? Why did I do it? Why couldn't I stop myself? Haven't you been there? People are so helpless. they go through this. you know they have learned how to master machines. Huh? They have learned how to master the environment. now people know how to make it rain. yeah, people know how to make it rain. people know how to how to how to cover up the sun. people know how to you know how to create another another planet they know how to make rocks they know how to invent artificial limbs things that you know people once thought were God given today they can invent artificial everything but what they don't know (laughs) such a pity what they don't know is when they feel angry they don't know how to stop feeling angry they learn how to control their anger. Walk away, walk away, walk out of the situation before it gets worse. Huh? Before the, your aggression gets the worst of, uh, of you. Walk away, don't be there. Right? People will know that because they learn, they, 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 they teach you that. But what they don't know is how to stop themselves from feeling angry. Because they don't understand the principles. The Buddha's gift is, is simply that. Forget about Nibbana. I, you know, there might be some, some who listen to these talks who don't believe in nibbana. It's all right. You don't have to. But don't you all have this problem where there are times in your in your life where you feel things and you don't want to feel them, and you want to stop feeling that, but you, do, you can't. You can't help yourself. <laughs> the, the 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 ironical thing about this is, you know, how when parents you advise and admonish your children. Like your child wants to watch TV. Hmm? And you want the child to go and do their homework. What would you do? Sometimes, you, first you'll uh, tell them nicely. Second time, you'll tell them nicely. Third time, not very nicely. Am I right, putta Yes. Next, you'll go and switch off the TV. Uh, what did I ask you to do now? Hmm? Now it gets a bit aggressive. Right, And then this can go all the way to maybe you know, giving them up or sending them to the monastery. There's an Anagharika. If the parents totally get fed up. Huh? Or punishment. Or shouting at them. And then what the parents will come and ask us or maybe the child's teachers will be questions like, Swami no answer. You know, can you please Teach this child to listen to his parents. Can you please teach him to be obedient? When his mother tells him to stop watching TV, he doesn't. Can you please teach him and tell him to stop doing what he wants to do and do what I want him to do? Hello? (laughs) Can you hear yourself when you say that? Read between the lines. Shouldn't your question be more like, so I'm in answer. I can't stop myself from wanting my child to do what I want them to do. Can you help me please? Shouldn't that be the real question? I think some parents here will be thinking these sermons should be <clears throat> R-rated. Not suitable for children. <laughs> Children should not be listening to these sermons. <laughs> because they can be used. <laughs> Can't they? I'm not talking about children. I'm not talking about parents. I'm talking about minds. And they become helpless without the dumb. But on a serious note, you know, take yourself into those situations and ask yourself, you know, don't these things happen? Read between the lines and really, you know, sh- is it not shameful that you have to go to someone and say, change this fellow because he's not listening to what I say. You have trouble changing the way you think. Yeah? Isn't that the problem? Uh, I, <clears throat> Guru Mahindra gave me a gift yesterday and I'll pass it on to you. Like The best gifts are those that you give away, right? So yesterday he called me, I was going about doing something, he said, he said, "I have a gift for you." I said, "Yes, venerable." Said, "What do you have for me?" He said, "Aren't we the creators of weapons for our enemies?" It made me laugh that, because in its simplicity, it was so profound what he said. Aren't we the creators of weapons for our own enemies? Hmm. Our enemies hurt us, don't they? You don't like the color blue. Can I be an enemy to you? Ta-da! See, I'm hurting you. And I don't even have to throw this at you. I'm hurting you already because you don't like the color blue. Blue, 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 and more blue, see, even more blue, see. I keep on hurting you, right? See, more blue. Tell me, who created this weapon? You did. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I don't even know you like, you don't like blue, right? And I'm still your enemy. See, I didn't know you didn't like blue. I just came and showed you blue. Now, you tell me that I am your enemy. No. I love you lots and lots and lots. But you tell me I'm your enemy. I didn't. I I never knew you didn't like blue. See, we create weapons for our own enemies. So in the same way, you know, when you go and complain that my child is like this, or, you know, he doesn't listen, my my wife is like this, she doesn't listen to me, my husband is like this, she doesn't listen to me. Please, Swami can you talk to them and ask them to be obedient to me? You got to stop and listen to yourself. First, what you are telling is really, you know, you can put the subtitles, right? Like any good movie, it comes with subtitles. You know, this is what happens when you when you come and talk to us. We put the subtitles. Uh, it's all right if you do that. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> whenever you come and talk to us, and I know my teacher will do the same with me. When I go and t- talk to my teacher, yeah, he'll put subtitles to whatever I'm saying because that's how he reads what I what I tell him. And that is why we need a teacher. When you go to the doctor and say, Doctor, it hurts. Yeah, really bad. He's got subtitles going on. He gives you a pill. Because he's got subtitles going on. He knows when you complain about the symptoms, he's already thinking about the problem. That's how it works. right? So whenever you come and complain about someone or something, subtitles that we apply there, why can't he or she hear himself? What you're really saying is, I struggle to change the way that I think and therefore I want him to change the way that he thinks. Is that a fair argument? Do you think in any court of law, that's going to win you any case? Hmm? I struggle to change my view and my take on things, my opinion on things. I struggle to change the way I think about something. So I want you to change. Anyone in their senses will fire back at that and go, well, if you're asking someone else to do it, why don't you do it? Yeah. Problem is, folks, like the good gentleman reminded us last week, remember at the end of the talk, he said, you know, in, to, to summarize, to sum all this up, it's simply, you know, there's conventional truths and there's absolute truths. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. The problem is, how do you stop yourself from feeling these things? Now, I can tell you all day and night long that if you feel that someone has upset you, then stop, point the finger inwards and now change yourself. But that alone is not going to help you do that. That will get you started thinking, well, it, you know, it, it seems like it. I'm trying to change the other person, but actually if I changed, you know, then the whole world will change. As I say, you know, be the change you want to see and so on, right? There's a, there, you know, even that, remind me to talk about it another day. You know, that has a a much deeper meaning than, than, what is, than the superficial meaning. Because, if you look at it from the outset, you know that thing that 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 saying does not mean anything at all in fact, you might even be be inclined to think that it is it is false because if be the change you want to see or in other words, if you change the world will change around you right? Didn't the Buddha change from Bodhisattva to Buddha hmm? when he changed didn't the world change did the world change around him no you know even after he became the buddha they were still the devadatta there were still people who were you know complete, who who came to attack him who considered him enemies and the atrocities adversities you know none of these things went away so while there is truth to that it is not the superficial truth but let's talk about that on another day we need to talk about it at length but I need you to solve this problem before you leave today. So we've identified the problem. Two, we know that this is not inherent. This is simply a visiting defilement. Right? Meaning, there are causes which are leading to this phenomenon, the manifestation of of these emotions. And therefore, if I can identify these causes and make a change in these causes, then the effect or the result will change as well. This is the principle of cause and effect. Now, let's try and figure out what's going on here. For that, we go on to the third step. What was the third step in our four-step process? Physical, bodily, or psychological, mental, right? This is not a physical problem, right? No part of your body is complaining, this is simply your mind, so pretty obvious. Ah, but what if this was not someone said something, but someone slapped you? How about then? Ah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. How long does the pain of a slap last? I'm talking from personal experience. It varies. The truth is, it varies. the pain of a slap can last anything from a single chitta moment to an eternity
1: mm. yeah. yeah
0: absolutely not only three hours, sometimes three days, three weeks, three months, three years, three lifetimes. There may be days, there may be you know instances in your life where someone slapped you, someone hit you, someone attacked you and it still hurts. And this happened 10 years ago. So what about then? Was that a bodily problem or a mental problem? Still a mental problem. Bodily problems are simply things that you deal with the four requisites. Yeah, food, shelter, clothes, and medicines. Anything beyond that, they're all mental problems. That's why I often ask you, you know, just take a moment, you know, from time to time, folks, you know, when you're at home, when you're at home, right? Take a moment to do a site survey. You know what a site survey is? It's what you do before you buy some land. Huh? Is that the only thing? Only, only time you do a site survey. No, you know, you live at home. That is a site. Do a survey. Look at the things around you, and ask yourself: When you came down to the third step in our four-step problem-solving approach, right? What you thought was an answer to a physical problem was it really? And try and answer that. Yes, you need food. Yes, you need shelter. Yes, you need clothes, and yes, you need medicines. These clothes, how expensive should they be? Hmm? If you are only trying to solve a physical problems, how problem? How expensive should your clothes be? <laughs> exactly. How many pairs do you need? How many pairs does a, a, pair, of, a pair of pairs of shoes does a man need? to wear on all his feet. Huh? Six pair <laughs> six pairs. No. Right? But this is not to say, you know, go home and throw all the rest of it away. That's not what I mean. You can keep them without wanting them. Two different things. Because, you know, you can't go to a party wearing your school shoes. Then you become you know, that's odd. That's weird. You don't do that, right? If you go to a wedding, you know, dress appropriately. If you go to a birthday party, dress appropriately. If you go to a funeral, dress appropriately. Right? If you come to the temple, dress appropriately. Dressing appropriately is simply you con- conforming to the convention. There's nothing wrong with that. That is simply you doing, you conforming to convention. You know, see, when I come for a sermon, I'm dressed like this because this is a convention. When I sit down to do a sermon, I hold the the fan like this. This is both convention and there is there is a meaning behind it as well, but you know this is convention. These are conventions. Right? So there's nothing wrong with conforming to convention. When we live among people, we agree to conventions to make lives easier on us. For example, in some countries, right, when you get onto the bus, you get in from the front door and you get out of the rear door does that not make life easier hmm? mm-hmm. if you've traveled in a bus in Sri Lanka you know how much easier it is right so we we conform to conventions but conforming to convention has nothing to do with what you want when you want something now there is sometimes convention can also get in the way answer this question for me. Should women be allowed to vote? What do you think? Because you know a long time ago they didn't have the right to vote yeah and then they fought for their right to vote. Should women have the right to vote? Today they have come to an agreement that yes women have equal rights and they can vote. Now take yourself back mentally to back, you know, back when women did not have the right to vote. Just go back in your mind back then. Imagine you were a woman living back then, right? And you just got to realize, you just you just learned that, you know, everyone, all the male members of your family are going to vote, but you are not, allow, not allowed to go. So what is a convention at that time? Women are not allowed to vote. That is Convention. Depending on what you want, depending on what you want, that convention can either hurt you or make you happy. Like I said, we create weapons for our enemies. So, should women have the right to vote? That is not the question. That is not the question. That is not what we are here to address whenever you want something now convention can either get in the way or it can help you along the way it is your choosing so <clears throat> when we come to the third point we talked about we are talking about is it a physical problem is it a mental problem right conventions is what we talked about because as i said you know just because it's a physical problem and you are you deal with it with by providing yourself the four requisites and the four requisites simply means, you know, the basic necessities. You don't, just because you have, you know, three or four pairs of shoes doesn't mean you have to go and throw them all away, right? Just because you live in, maybe you you live in a two-story house and maybe you have 25 bedrooms and 16 bathrooms, right? You can only use one of them at any given time, but some people have, and some people live in mansions. The only thing you need to ask yourself now is why? Did you go that far? Were you trying to solve a physical problem or were you actually trying to to solve a mental problem? Was the size of your house a representation of how powerful you are? Was it an expression of how you feel about yourself? Is the car you drive an expression of how you feel about yourself? If it's an expression of how you feel about yourself, then the self is still there. Did you buy the car you bought because in your social class, buying anything else would make you, would undermine you? Was that why? In other words, did you have something to maintain and to show other people? I'm talking these things out loud because I lived a life like that. And I know how that feels. And I know how that was a torture device that we invented for our own backs. Today I'm free from those problems. Just the other day, I got, the, uh, I got an opportunity to talk to a few people. You know, really well-to-do people, right? very successful in their lives. And uh, I asked them the question, why have you come to see me? And today we have a few new faces in the room as well, so I'll ask you the, all the question. Right? Why have you come to see me? You came here, right? I didn't come to your place you came to my place. Why did you come to see me? What do I have that, y- that I can offer you? Do I have money? No. Do I have cars? No. Do I have a big house? Certainly not. You should come and see where I sleep. Huh? Do I have lots of, lots of clothes? No. I only have two sets of robes, one on me, the other's on the clothesline. Do I get to eat lovely, nice dishes, foods, cuisines, you know, and travel the world and enjoy every, all these different types of food? Still no. You'll see later on today what we eat. Most days we eat mixed food, right? When, when someone will mix their food and then they give me a handful of that that is what happens most days and you'll you'll all have the opportunity today to offer swami nandan says some food from from your from your arms bowl from your bowl right? into their arms bowl that is what we eat so i mean think about it do i have anything that you don't have <clears throat> what are my assets compared in, compared to you you have you have a family you have a husband you have a wife i don't have any of these things so why have you come to me What asset do I have that you don't have? The asset I have is nothing. Have you ever heard of that asset? Nothing? The asset of nothing, have you ever heard that? The asset of nothing? Let me explain to you, okay? What I mean by that. Don't worry, I won't forget this. I'll complete this before we end. (coughs) The asset of nothing, I have nothing and you have something, okay? Let me prove to you. I have nothing that keeps me up at night. Can you all agree that you are the same? I have nothing, that's my asset, right? I have nothing. I have nothing that keeps me up at night. Can you all say that you have the same? I have nothing that worries me. This is my asset. Can you say the the same for yourselves? Your children don't worry you. Your spouses don't worry you. Your mortgage doesn't worry you. Hmm? The bills don't worry you. Where you live doesn't worry you. Your work doesn't worry you. I have nothing that brings me fear. How about you? Can you all agree that, can you all say that you also have nothing? Or actually, is your something, your asset or your liability? Think about it. As I said, you know, you've come to me, usually we go somewhere because we they have something we don't have, right? That's when we go somewhere, we go to the supermarket because they have something we don't have. You go to the car uh, salesman because he has something we don't have. You go to a seminar or to a lecture because they have something, they know something you don't have. Right? So I'm asking you, what have you come here looking for? I have nothing to offer you. What do I have to offer you? I have nothing to offer you. So, as I say, I have nothing that keeps me up at night, I have nothing that keeps me worried. I have nothing that annoys me. I have nothing that frustrates me. I have nothing that doesn't listen to me, therefore makes me angry. I have nothing that doesn't say what I do, therefore makes me annoyed. How about yourselves? You can repeat all those sentences except replace nothing with something. Yeah? I have something that... You, you wanna play roles, right? <laughs> You can replace all of those sentences with something. I say, I have nothing that keeps me up at night. You'll have to say, I have something that keeps me up at night. I have nothing that worries me. Did you forget to check your doors before you left home, by the way? Just just checking. How about your windows? Did you make sure you fed the dog before you left? Did you check the car, the batteries, bill, tires before you left? Hmm? You know, just uh, three months before I left England to come to Sri Lanka, I got scammed. Someone, uh, I can't remember the word now, someone had forged my credit cards, just three months before I left. So when when I got the bill, They send a bill every month, right? I didn't know. I was was trying to pay for something and the payment got declined. So then I logged to my bank account and checked online. How come I I, I had plenty of credit? So I, I checked and I realized that my credit card had been maxed out. So that's when I realized that someone had forged my credit card. So I quickly ran the bank as you're supposed to do. And... What they told me really surprised me. They said someone had actually walked into the bank, pretended to be me, and and they'd gotten a, a replacement uh, or they'd they changed my address at the bank, pretending to be me. I don't know how they managed to do that. And then they'd uh, gotten themselves a uh, you can on a on a credit card you can have an additional card right. They've gotten themselves an additional credit card and gone and spent. So. I remember today, that was three months before I, 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 I uh, you know, finally cancelled everything and decided that was it, you know, I didn't, didn't want to live that life anymore. That thought comes to my mind today, how I felt when that happened to me. It's a bad feeling. When you go to, when you go to the store and you want to pay for something, put your card in and it goes, de- gets declined, and then to find out that someone had stolen your identity—identity identity fraud is a big thing. Now it's catching on, right? It's a big thing in, in some countries. Identity fraud—people make a living out of that. So you, you know, that was the first time it had happened to me. You know, I'd having worked in banking, I'd help people to you know to uh, to issue, to resolve those problems plenty of times in my life i've been people had come to me with had having suffered from identity fraud i'd helped them to you know completely close down their bank accounts and open new ones and all that i'd i'd done all of that but to have it happen to you that was the first time i experienced that you know it the the feeling that i got when i heard the bank the uh the the person in the bank saying you've just been a victim of identity fraud, I'll, I'll describe the feeling. You know how when you're in a lift, yeah, when you're in a lift, and the lift starts to move all of a sudden without warning, and you feel that sense of weightlessness, yeah. you experienced that? And you feel sick on the inside, like, the, like your core has just been extracted out of you, and you feel like you're empty inside, That's the feeling I got. I remember it to this day because I felt it so badly. I had become a victim of identity fraud. Because back then, I had something that people wanted. People wanted my identity. They didn't just want my car, my house, right my material possessions. Did they wanted my? They wanted my identity. <laughs> they wanted who I was. They wanted who I was. Today, I have nothing. But you still have something. Even if you are ready to give up all your worldly possessions, you still have, you will still have an identity that you will want to protect and safeguard. I'm not saying that I have completed my journey, but I know that on this path, very soon, that is where I will be. One day, I will not feel that way I felt that day. Because what I will realize is these are simply individual instances, thought moments. There is no connection between each other. What happened here has no bearing whatsoever on what happens either side of it, let alone several down the line. So why does this happen? This happens because of our sense of identity. In each thought moment. Now we've passed the third step, we are on to the fourth step. Minding your own business. The mind does not mind its own business. Here, there was a mind moment, a chitta. The purpose this chitta came into being was to simply do five things. Receive, register, recognize, respond and perceive. To receive this sound, right, register it as having been received, recognize it and recognize doesn't mean it has to be recognized simply as a sound. You can recognize it as a scolding, it's fine or a, or, or, or an accusation. That's also fine, right? and then to respond. So all the chitta is supposed to do is to receive it and understand that this is an accusation. And then finally to perceive it as that is all it is. That is the mind of the business. Mind of the business? No, the other way around, thank you. Business of the mind. That is the simple business of the mind. But each of these thought moments, they are ill. They want something more than what they came in for. Because they have a desire to feel a sense of identity. You see, the thing that you try to safeguard the most is your biggest weakness. Whatever you want to protect is the thing you have to protect yourself from. Put that down up here. Whatever you want to protect is the thing you're going to have to protect yourself from. Aren't I right? Name a few things you want to protect or you have to protect. Hmm? Your children, you have to protect, right? Now you have to protect yourself from your children. How so? Your children don't make me angry. They make you angry. Your children don't make me sad, they make you sad. Your children don't make me cry, they make you cry. So you see, you protect your children. If you protect something, you have to protect yourself from it. And you can replace that with any material any material possession or even anything immaterial. Simple example again, let's say you know you have earned yourself a title. Okay, let's say you are the heavyweight champion. Hmm? Now, if you are the heavyweight champion, you have to protect it, don't you? You have to get back in the ring and fight to keep your title. So, if you have to work hard to protect it, now you have to protect yourself from it. How so? To keep your title, how much should you get beaten up? (laughs) <laughs> that's why right. if you become the heavyweight champion then to keep it what should you do get beaten up right that's what you have to do you gotta get into the ring and get beaten up that's the physical part but mentally as well you know mentally you always live in fear that someone might snatch it from you in 1996 we won the world cup didn't we Was it 1996? Yeah, in 96 we won the World Cup. Every four years they play the World Cup? Yes, so 97, 98, 99, 2000. In the year 2000, we went to play again. So we felt like champions, didn't we? Hmm? Because in 96 we'd won the World Cup, right? And 2000 came, the year 2000 came and it was time for us to play the games, (laughs) play cricket again, right? Answer this question honestly and honest to your heart, right? We were the champions and we felt that we had to protect it. So when the games came, I remember, I was was a kid, right? When the games came, it felt like this was something now we had to protect. Not something we had to earn, we had to protect. So we went there in fear of losing it. See, what you protect, you have to protect yourself from. Because to protect what you want, to protect the things that you love, to protect the things that mean so much to you, sometimes you may go to great lengths and sometimes the, the distance you go can spell your disaster. A mother can go a long way to protect her child Sometimes she might even murder. She can kill. Perhaps you won't now. But think back, you know, before you started to listen to the Dhamma, if you knew that someone was out to get your children, you know, as a loving father, as a loving mother, you know, you would have said, without a shadow of a doubt, over my dead body will you get to my child. In other words, if you want to get my child, you're going to have to... Kill me first. Meaning, I'm ready to kill to save my child. So you see, if you want to protect something, now you have to protect yourself from it. No one else is going to protect you from it. Only you have to protect yourself from it because you're the one who wants it. When the mind wants to feel this sense of identity, this sense of separation, that it is separate from everything else. And why does it want that? Why does it want that? Why does it want to feel separate from everything else? Because? Yes, that is, that is the view, right? The view, the drushti, the view. Yes, that <clears throat> this identity, this separation is pleasurable. Now you don't have to take my word for it. The proof is in the pudding. You feel separate to everybody else, don't you? So you know how the mind works now, that they're all individual thought moments and you also understand that it is impossible for this thought to feel on behalf of this thought, can it? Because when this thought arises, this has already passed away. When this thought is here, this has not even arisen yet. So how can this act on this one's behalf? no but wouldn't this one say i would like to go to the go to uh, i would like to go to the party tonight says who says this guy who's going to the party <laughs> this guy what rubbish what nonsense how does he speak on his behalf and in the same way i gave you this problem today this one got shouted at this one feels disappointed angry heartbroken annoyed frustrated how so we talked about projection last week remember when the thought when the when the chitta goes into this insanity mode which is a result of this dying desire this 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 strong desire this urge to feel this sense of separation the illusion of separation happens in the mind and the illusion of separation is this illusion of this sense of identity that all of you have. By, by, by all of you, I mean, of course, all of us. You feel that you are a separate individual to other people in this room. You feel that you are an identity. And that identity represents you. You'd feel annoyed if someone pretended to be you, which is how I felt. When my identity got stolen. I don't know if any of you have been, ever been in that situation. Identity theft. <laughs> Terrible feeling. Terrible feeling. Because you know, after all, once you've given up and lost everything, what's the last thing that's left for you? Your, yourself, right? Your identity. That is the only thing that you feel belongs to you and you alone. Imagine losing that. Imagine someone taking that from you. Your sense of who you are, your sense of who you are, that is the most precious thing ever. Do you remember what the ring did to Gollum? Yeah? Precious, my precious. Look at what the self, the the need to feel the self has done to you. You are the Lord of the self. Not the Lord of the ring, but the Lord of the self. Look what it has done to you. Every tear you have shed, why? Necessary or unnecessary? Unnecessary, except when something got in your eye. That's the only time where I can say that was necessary. Because that was your biological mechanism of cleansing you, right? But other than that, if you've ever cried, do you know that that was an unnecessary reaction? You cried in vain. You cried in vain. You know, when you cry in front of an Arahant, you know how they feel about you? Hmm? Fool. The Arahant won't say that. Because he'll show you compassion. You say, ah, oh, it's okay, it's okay. But you know how he feels? Fool. Because crying is for fools. When I was younger at school, you know, they said crying is for girls. Huh? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> this is something we had at school, right? I went to a boys' school. So at school, you know, you were not supposed to cry. So if anyone cried, then The other boys, you say, crying is for girls. Let's correct that. Crying is for fools. How about getting angry? Who is that for? Boys. Big boys, is it? Hmm? Showing your fury? Showing who you are? Come and I'll show you who I am. You don't know who you're messing with. Hmm? Getting angry—is that for big boys? No, but I've been around people who think that getting angry, right, or showing that you're angry, is a sign of your personality, and that you have to be. You know, it's a very cultural thing. I think in some cultures, sometimes we see that a bit in our culture as well. You know, in in any—not in any—some some fathers, particularly, you know, especially, you know, fathers of, you know. These valo uh, fathers. So they believe that you have to, you know, to have earn your own respect. You have to show that you know you are not to be messed with. But that is a sign of foolishness, because when the mind wants this sense of identity. When the mind wants to feel separate, this sense of separation, this sense of identity, this sense that you are unique. This is only a business for fools. The mind goes into insanity mode. The mind gets so vexed. We've talked about how this happens in the past, right? It gets so vexed. And as a mechanism for relieving itself of this vexation, because it can't get what it wants, it will create what it wants like a magician. Like a magician, it will create what it wants and it will create this sense of self. That sense of self, once created here, will now make this this mind where the self has now been born, will make it feel that it is itself that lived up until now and will live into the future. So if it happens here, won't it wouldn't, wouldn't it have happened here? If it happens here, wouldn't it happen here? And if it happens here, wouldn't it happen here? For as long as ignorance and attachment prevails, this sense of self will continue to prevail. So remember, it's not the same self. It would be wrong for you to think that it's the same self that continues. It is simply a sense of self, not the same self or a different self. Sometimes people ask that question, is it the same self or is it a different self? No, there is no such thing as a self. It is simply an illusion of self. But there is such a thing as jati. Or suffering. That jati, it's an instance, a separate and individual instance but born out of the same causes. That is why you feel this sense of self right now just like you felt two minutes ago and you'll feel this sense of self just like you do now two minutes later because same causes means same result. If you have if you make something out of the same ingredients, same recipe, Can you get a different cake? No. Therefore, if the causes of this sense of self are ignorance and attachment, provided the same ignorance and the same attachment happens in every chitta, then the same sense of self will prevail in every chitta. This is why an ant to an elephant, to a blue whale, to a dinosaur, to you, to the devas, to the brahmas, to anyone, any sentient being, if they feel a sense of self, they feel it just as you do. Just as you do, no different. But they'll know that, for example, a Brahma will know that he's a Brahma. A Deva will know that he's a Deva. Just like you know that you are a human being. You'll have a name. The Katharagama Deva will have a name. He'll know that he's, he's a god of Katharagama. He'll know that. He's a Katharagama Deva. He'll know that. Just like you know that you are someone of somewhere. But this core sense of self, at its most primitive and basic level, you all feel it just the same way. So what are the additions to it? One is your memory. If memory didn't have a part to play, then you wouldn't be feeling this way. You'd only feel the self. You wouldn't be able to feel heartbroken about what happened yesterday. So memory has a part to play here. So when the sense of self happens here, it dips into memory. So how would you represent memory? Let's say that was memory, your memory bank. So it's not like a blob that exists somewhere, right? It's memory is just, again, it's also a principle of cause and effect. When the environment is right, then fragments of memory are drawn to the mind. It's not something that exists somewhere. It manifests as and when the environment is right. So when the thought arises here, okay? This incident passed into memory a record of what happened at that time, okay? So when this happened, what happened here? Someone shouted at you, okay? A record of it passed into memory. A record of it passed into memory. So you can think of it as an energy, An energy that was uh, that emanated from at this at this instant, at this instance. Now, what happens here? When the environment is right, when the environment this is this is why you don't remember everything all the time. Do you? Now, until I tell you the next thing I'm going to say, you won't have remembered it. Your car. See, you won't have thought about it until I said it. Right? Shall I try again? Cookie, see? See, you won't have thought about it until I said it. But now I said it, you can't not think about it. So is it you thinking then? Is it you thinking or is it the right environment? The environment drawing these thoughts? That's simply what happens. So it would be a falsehood for us to believe that we think what we think. Thinking is simply a process. And the process runs for, for as long as and provided the environment is, is right. That's why now you can't stop thinking about your car. See, I'll keep saying car. You stop thinking about it. Your car. Hmm? Your car. Remember your car? Don't think about it. Don't think about what? Your car. See, <laughs> You can't not think about it. So it's not you, this person who thinks about something, It is the environment that brings you these memories. That's why when you see someone, you think, I've seen someone like you before. And you're reminded of someone. You say, you resemble someone. And you'll say that. Because those facial features, for instance, will draw memories of people you've seen in the past. That's the way it works. So this is all a process. There is no individual or person that's doing this. This is the most important thing that we need to get into our heads. However, having said that, you can't stop yourself from thinking that it is you who's doing it. Reason for that is because the, the, this mind, the mind wants to experience this sense of separation. And because it wants this sense of separation, jati comes into being. It is a product of the mind itself. The mind creates jati, okay, through ignorance and attachment. It creates jati and once that jati comes into being, now the sense of self Begins to occur. But remember, when the when jati happens here, that doesn't mean that self, the, the the sense of self or jati happens here and here and here and here. Because only one thought moment exists at any given time. Although I've drawn it out, this is on the time axis. Yeah? This is on the time axis. So there's only one of these at any given time. That's why we say you can't multitask. It's it's not possible. It's impossible to multitask. There's only one thought moment at any given time and it can only do one thing. But this happens at such a rapid rate, sometimes you feel like you're multitasking, but you're not really. Only one thought object at any given moment. So when the jati happens here, this is the feeling that I existed forever and I will exist forever. That is simply a feeling. It doesn't stop itself from dipping into memory. So it drops into memory. Now what drops into memory? This is jati, right? This is jati. Has an extension to the memory, to the memory banks, and it looks has has a you know uh, has a look in the memory banks to see what's available in this environment. So you know we are talking about the situation where someone said something. That's why I said you, know, you come home and your wife asks you how was work. Perhaps that is the trigger for that memory to come in, because the word work was what drew, drew that memory to you. You know, let's say on their way or. You know, as you got home, your wife asked you, did you bring the vegetables? Now work doesn't come in as a memory. Then you go, ah, sorry, I forgot. Or did you, ask, did you, did you forget to bring our son from school? <laughs> from school?" Oh, yes, I forgot. Let me go back and get in. So, you know, this is, it's the environment that attracts the, the, the relevant Vipaka. Okay? Is that, are you all clear on that? So when jati happens here and the environment is right, so they happen, you know, independently. It's not one does the other, right? This happens independently. The environment draws the uh, the the vipaka, and the environment of ignorance and attachment creates a jati. These two things happen together. Now that's when whatever you whatever is thought, you think you're thinking. Let me say that line again. Whatever is thought, you think you are thinking. So is thinking an active process or a passive process? Hmm? What do you think? I am thinking. Active process or passive process? Huh? I am thinking. Active process or passive process? What do you think? It's a passive process. Why? Thinking is passive. Yeah, we're all clear on that. What about I? That's also passive. How so? Because jati comes into being which is the result of ignorance and attachment, right? Where ignorance and attachment lives, jati lives. When jati lives, you have this feeling of a self. And that is what you're saying out loud, I think. So they're all passive processes. I'm not talking about whether this I or this self exists for real. What I'm saying is to be able to say that. Remember, was it your sermon I said at the end? No, I think it was to the Swami nuances. I was talking to them. The only reason that you are able to feel this sense of self and this sense that that you are unconditionally present okay, is because of conditionality. You see the irony in that? Hmm? Let me repeat that. The only reason that you feel an unconditional existence, which is what you do, You feel that you you have an unconditional existence. You don't feel that you are uh, present because of ignorance and attachment, do you? You don't feel that way. That is simply a knowledge. Okay? The only reason you feel an unconditional existence is because of the principle of conditionality. Without cause and effect, you would never be able to feel an existence that is not, or that is independent of cause and effect. Is that is that clear to what to you what I just explained there? let me try again we know when jati happens say that is jati in this thought moment how do you feel? you feel unique yeah you feel unique you feel separate and you feel that you have always existed yeah I existed in the past and I, I will exist in the future you don't feel that this presence is a result of cause and effect. You don't feel that, do you? You may know that now, because you don't understand the Dhamma, but you don't feel that. If you felt that, you'd have felt it right at the start, when you came into samsara. So you never felt it. What you do feel is, you have always been there. Isn't that why it still annoys you what happened yesterday? Because who did it happen to? You, that's why, because you feel that you were there at that time. And that's why you feel excited about what's going to happen tomorrow it hasn't even happened yet. But who's feeling excited? You in the present moment, right? So you feel it's going to be you in the future and you feel it's going to be you in the past, meaning you have always existed and you will always exist. You're feeling, you feel that there's this individual, that there's an identity, this individual person that will always exist timelessly. Agreed? Right, now the question is this. What is this a product of? Ignorance and attachment. In other words, causes. Yeah. So it is thanks to cause and effect that you are able to experience something that you feel is void or independent of the principle of cause and effect. That is the irony. The only reason you can feel this way That you are free and independent of the principle of cause and effect is thanks to cause and effect. If it wasn't for cause and effect, if it wasn't for causes lead to effects, you would not be feeling a self and an experience of I am independent from causes. Does that make sense? Yeah so even that would be wouldn't be possible <laughs> if it wasn't for cause and effect now that proves to you doesn't it that everything in existence is simply cause and effect even even the feeling that you are free and void of cause and effect even that is also a result of cause and effect so everything is it's it's all encompassing it's all encompassing you can't you can't find any form of existence any entity That is free and void of cause and effect. If so, that doesn't exist. So you can't talk about why something doesn't exist. You can only talk about why something does exist. Because what doesn't exist cannot be described, can it? That's why. That's why the self cannot be described. Because it doesn't exist. But the sense of self exists. And that can be described, that can be talked about. The sense of self is the product of jati. So, ultimately, what happens? And let's conclude this after that. What happens here? This jati, here, here, it happens everywhere. Right, remember? These are the vipakas. This is vipaka. You can only say vipaka happened at 6pm. Vipaka happened at 6pm. Vipaka is now happening at 8am. Underlying, you have ignorance and attachment running here. Ignorance and attachment are prevailing conditions. And for as long as ignorant and attachment exist, you have jati. Okay? Which, each of these moments giving you the sense that you exist as an identity. And remember, they are all individual. Okay? So this jati is not the same as this jati. What, what I mean by that, this is an instance of this. They make you feel the same way but it's not this. Because if this were this, then you would never be able to become an arahant. Would you? Yeah. Each chitta creates, fabricates its own instance of jati. yeah. Which is why the next chitta, the immediate next chitta, can not do that. If it understands the truth. So these are all individual and separate instances of jati. But the issue is, Whenever jati happens, whenever jati happens, it feels like it always existed and it will always exist. It feels like this is the same as this, as this, as this. It feels that this is all uniform. It feels the same way. And now see what happens. Here's the last thing I'm going to say. And now see what happens. This jati happens in this chitta at 8 a.m. today. Happened at 8 a.m. this, uh, this morning. Vipaka dropped in from outside because I asked you, how was work, I, When I said the word work, the moment I said the word work, there was the environment in the chitta to draw from Vipaka an instance of our memory that got dropped in here yesterday. That's what happened. So I'm talking about the mechanism of why this happens, okay? This happened at 6pm yesterday and it left a record of that in memory. That was there, just lingering. Now, although I say it was lingering, it doesn't mean that it's it's there somewhere where you can go and, you know, maybe, I don't know, burn it all up so you don't have any memories after that. That's not the way it works. It's just energy. Okay? So it was there. This is just a representation of that. Very simplified representation so we can understand it. So this happened at 6 p.m. Someone saying something to you. That was there here. And it wasn't due to be drawn here until the word work was said. So when I said, how was work? That's when there was a trigger and that trigger brought this memory back. This could have happened even if you're an Arahant. There's no problem with that. An Arahant can still have memories drawn from previous occasions. You know, the Buddha talks about not just this birth, but you know, how many births back into the past? This happened then, this happened then, this happened then. You and I were together, you know, as husband and wife, as teacher and student many, many yawns ago and so on when asked the question. Right? When asked the question, therefore, when the environment is right, all types of vipaka can be drawn there. But this is all natural. What's the unnatural part? What is the artificial part? This part, exactly. This ignorance and attachment. This is always running. This is not. This does not exist for the Buddha. It does not exist for the Arahant. But it exists in our minds. So what happens? It creates this jati. Right. Until then, everything was fine. Yeah, until then everything was fine. Now jati is created. And the moment jati is created, now what happens is, it gives you this feeling that you existed in the past and it was you who, who will exist into the future. Now tell me then, who did this happen to? To me. Until this was created, can I ask you the question, who did it happen to? No, if I ask you the question, who did it happen to? You will tell me, I have asked the wrong question you'll tell me that the question does not make any sense. But as soon as jati happens, now that becomes a valid question because you have an answer to it. The only reason you have an answer to that question is because you have jati here. That is because of ignorance and attachment. So now I can ask the question, what happened to you yesterday? And you feel that you're right. I'm actually talking about what happened to you yesterday. This me, me, me me not somebody else me this happened to me yesterday look at what he told me yesterday look at what he said yesterday to me how could he and you are still suffering because of that so whose fault is it that you are still suffering for something that happened yesterday someone told you or someone shouted at you someone annoyed you yesterday huh and you are still suffering whose fault is that their fault your fault. This is why I always keep saying, you know, regret is misplaced. There is no room for regret if you understand the Dhamma. This is why I'm so against regret because regret stops you from realizing the Dhamma. It blocks your, your view. It, it, you know, it, it goes against everything that is common sense. What is regret? If not, repentance about what happened or what you did yesterday. Because you feel it was you who did it. Why? Because of ignorance and attachment. So this is the fourth step of our four step approach. The mind is at this moment not minding its own business. The mind is not supposed to be doing this. The mind is simply supposed to be doing that. That's all the mind is supposed to be doing. This is what the mind came in for. See, receive, huh? register, recognize respond and perceive that is all the mind came in here for what's all this rubbish going on here that's because of ignorance and attachment once ignorance and attachment knocks in or kicks in now the mind does not do what it's supposed to do it is not minding its own business it's minding somebody else's business whose business is that my business the my business or the I business the self business And the moment that happens, now past events happen to whom? To me. Future events are going to happen to whom? To you. That's why, or rather to to me, sorry. That's why you're still excited about the holiday you've got planned for next week. That's why you're excited about the holiday you've got planned for next week, for next year, in the next 10 years. What are some of the things you've got planned to do? Are you going out somewhere tonight? Think about it. Hmm? If you've got some plans for this evening, maybe going out to a restaurant, hmm? maybe going out to the movies, maybe to uh, to a concert, maybe to watch a film or something. Like crying is for fools. You can complete that sentence. This only happens in the fool's mind. This is the creation of jati. This is the creation of suffering. If you're excited about something that's about to happen tomorrow, that is because suffering or ignorance and attachment prevail and your mind has been hijacked. That is what's going on. So now you understand, if you feel annoyed or angry or upset about something that happened yesterday, this is how you would contemplate on that. If you feel excited about something that's going to happen tomorrow, I gave you a hint, I gave you, got you started, but think around the, along the same lines and see if you can work it out for yourselves. Now do you see how you can deal with situations like this? So this is a practical application of problems like this. There were uh, some good questions that had come through over the last few weeks, and I wanted to address some of those as well. But I think now that you've, you've actually seen how we work through one of these problems using the four-step approach, I would like for you to practice a few of these at home. You know, when you get annoyed, when you get frustrated, when you get excited, you know, when you feel lust, when you feel anger, when you feel disappointment, when you feel greed, all of these things. (coughs) They can all be analyzed and reflected using this. You can use the afternoon sessions to talk through this in more detail with our Swami right? Get their help to work out one of the problems that you might have. How do you work through this? How do you analyze it? How do you reflect on it? Okay? Right. So, with that in mind, let us also take a moment to transfer the merits that we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem, chanting Pirit and listening to the and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. Let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord with this teaching and with immense gratitude let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and Bhikkhunis. Upasakas and Upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the Tripitaka which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand and comprehend the Dhamma. The last chance of the mates we have acquired to all members of the Sangha present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us also transfer these merits to Guru Swami Nuhansi as well as all the teachers resident at the monastery, as well as Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha. Be there by transliterating these sermons, sharing them out with others or inviting others to join them. And may, through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May, through the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfil the meritorious deeds, fulfil the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. That is also transmits we have acquired to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery, to those who provide the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes and medicines, as well as those who have passed on their know-how and continue to extend their well-wishes. May through the power of these merits they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana.
1: Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu.
0: Let us take a moment to transform this to our mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews, nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who've helped us, supported and and assisted us in any way, shape or form. By the power of these merits, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the Noble Eightfold Path and attain the Supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to the Devas, Brahmas, spirits and demons, primarily the sakadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Sasana. Let us transfer merits to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way, and may by the power of these merits they prosper in divine power and wisdom, may they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu Sadhu Sadh. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to our ancestors who have predeceased us, and to all those who've been families, friends and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in Sansara, and to those who've helped, supported, assisted along us in any way, shape or form all along the way. It has also transformed to the members of the armed forces as well as the police force who sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nation, and to and may all those who lost their lives in the war be their friend of rejoice in the merits that we have acquired today. It has transformed to those who lost their lives in natural calamities such as the tsunamis, earthquakes, landslides, and pandemics reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in samsara. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to them. May, to the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the warful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. And finally, let us all resolve that made through the power and blessings of all the maids we have acquired throughout the day, we will be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of Arahants on this blessed land. And may, through the power of all the maids we have acquired throughout the day, you and everyone who has helped make this program a success become an Arahaton an Arahat Terani Nuhanse in this life itself and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself.
1: Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu.
0: May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all. The members of the Mahasanga will transfer their blessings to you now.
1: Raga ginneng midetnwa, dvesha ginneng midetnwa, moha ginneng midetnwa, nibbana param sukhein sukitta Mamada siya lu loka siya lu satan Nibbana parema sukhayin sukhita tare vetma. Nibbana parema sukhayin sukhita tare vetma. Nibvana Parama Sukhayan Sukhita Taravetna Raga Gini Niveva Desha Gini Niveva moh Gini Niveva Nivan Sapa Nivan sapalaveva, Nivan sapalaveva Thunruvange, Suviši Ananta Mahaguna Belin, Sila Loka Sila Satyama Nibbana Paramasuken Sugit Taravitva, Sadhu 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 Sadhu.